0: Welcome to the Canvas Podcast. This episode was recorded on July 29th, 2015. Today we have Kona Jones, Director of Online Learning at Richland Community College, and Sam Backert, Director of Academic Technology at San Juan Community College. Hey guys, how's it going? It's going well. Thanks. Well, it is the week of beta release notes, so we are here to go through the the release notes and check them out and see what's coming. Um, We like to look a little bit early so that we have time to talk about it and get this episode up on the air around the time that these changes make it into production. So, um, as some of you may know, Canvas is working on a new user interface Um, You can talk to your customer success manager to find out how to turn that on in your beta instance. And one of the new things that is coming along with the new user interface is the ability for admins to edit the theme of their Canvas instance. So um, Kona, Sam, have either one of you been playing around with uh, the new user interface in your beta instance? Yes,
1: I have. I'm actually uh, part of the... uh warp removal group that's kind of going through the new UI uh, and assessing it on a bunch of different things.
0: Is that the focus group you're referring to?
1: Yeah well there's it's a kind of a separate focus group but yeah.
0: Okay well um, for anybody listening there is a focus group that you can go and search out and ask to join in the community on the new user interface. Um, if you do want to find out more about that or if you're if you been looking at that and want to pass along some feedback about that Uh, let's talk about this theme editor a little bit more what is the theme editor going to do
2: well based on just looking through what's in the release notes it's going to allow folks to adjust a, a lot of the coloring and button text and things like that throughout um the the account at the and then also adjusting things uh, backgrounds and active icons and things like that through the global nav as well as adding watermarks and favicons and things like that um, for the for the site Um, from what I you know I haven't actually played with the the physical theme editor yet um, but that's what it you know indicates in the release notes
0: the the release notes um, seem to indicate that this theme editor is going to be a part of the changes to beta going on right now, um, but we think that you will have to enable the new user interface to get access to it. Um, I actually have had a chance to play with the theme editor because I'm really interested in, um, in what I, as an admin, will be able to do with it. And I was able to make some changes. Um, there, There's still a bit of a limited set of options to what you can change, so I'm having um, a few issues with text colorings where there's just not an option for me to change that um, through the theme editor, Um, and there's definitely still some um, bugs in the theme editor, for lack of a better word. Um, I know that I've talked to a few other people who have tried to play around with it a little bit, and um, there are still some issues when you are trying to preview your changes. Sometimes it doesn't work and uh, it crashes a little bit and you have to back out and start over. Sometimes the previews just fail to work and you have to, um, you have to reapply them. So it's definitely still got some things to work out. But I know this is going to make a lot of admins and a lot of web programmers happy. Um, and I'm really interested to see how far we will be able to take it, how far we will actually be able to edit our theme. I remember reading a good thread in the community about um, an institution that was using seasonal images, for their global navigation background, and I thought that was a really great idea, and I, I'm not sure that you would be able to do that through the theme editor right now.
1: Yeah, well, I was one of the people, like you mentioned, who I've been trying uh, to play around with a theme editor. I think I've tried three or four times, and uh, you're you're pretty lucky that you've been able to get it to actually render because every time I've tried, I end up getting that error message or just end up getting completely kicked out of beta. So it seems like once they get the kinks worked out, um, it's going to be pretty awesome and pretty powerful. But for right now, it's been hard to figure out how cool it'll be because I can't make it work.
2: Yeah, so I'm wondering you know, with this, with the release this Saturday, if it'll be a bit more stable. Maybe that's, we're still working with maybe a little bit of an older theme editor. Um, so that, that might be less buggy. I know that with a lot of the Canvas status updates lately, beta keeps going down. So I don't know if... There are other things going on, too, on that end.
0: You know, I was trying to find a meme for that this morning, Uh, something about how hard beta is getting getting run (laughs) right now. It (laughs) seems like they're pushing some pretty major changes on it. And, uh, yeah, um, poor beta has been struggling a little bit. But, that, you know, that's what it's there for. Yep. Mm
2: -hmm. I'd much rather beta be down than production.
1: (laughs) Yeah, well, our production was... Basically, almost down. I'm sure they don't consider it down, but it was so slow and laggy that it was basically down on and off most of the morning. So, yeah, I couldn't get into beta. I couldn't get into regular campus. So I had to spend my morning in the community. Gosh, that was such <laughs>
0: Now, I see here that um, the theme editor may be able to create different themes for different sub-accounts. That sounds amazing for especially K-12 districts or any other higher ed districts where you have different institutions all part of one larger Canvas administration structure so that um, even though it's all one Canvas instance, different sub-accounts, different institutions can theme it to match their brand.
1: Yeah. It sounds like that's coming. I haven't, uh, I don't think that's available now, but from, uh, the actual discussion going on, it, it sounds like from some canvas or some instructor employees that that's coming. didn't you see something like that, Sam?
2: Yeah, it's pretty far down in the comments, um, in there, but it, it a couple people like Aaron, I think was the one who had mentioned that at this point, you know, the theme editor is only available at the, the top level, the main account level. Um, but that it's, their goal is to have it in all sub accounts so that, each, each, like the way we break ours down, each department then would be able to theoretically be able to have their own um, theme. I don't know how likely that we would do that. um, So that's, you know, a student would be in one, then in one class and it would jump to something completely different in another, but maybe some um, consistency, maybe, you know, things like that, that then some items could be branded for that particular department.
0: Yeah, with the way our sub accounts are set up for um, different academic departments, I, I don't think um, this jumps out at me as something that we would be um, interested in using right away. But if anybody out there is in a K 12 school district or in a higher ed district with multiple institutions um, and is thinking about setting up different themes uh, for their different sub accounts, uh, or if you want to wait until after you actually get it working and you want to show it off, I'd love to talk to somebody on the podcast who's doing this um, sometime down the road once everything gets put into production and is running smoothly. I'd love to hear how other people are using um, theming for sub accounts. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, next up on the list is Student Interactions Report. Kona, I know you do a lot with. Um, engagement of students and humanizing online learning. I feel like these improvements to the student actions, interactions report would be right up your alley.
1: Yeah, I was, I was actually really interested in it just because it looks like it really does make it so much easier, uh, it's not quite as hidden. I know in the past uh, when I would show faculty this report they'd be like, I had no idea this existed um, because it really is kind of hidden. So I think by moving the button out to that main people page, it's going to make a big difference in regards to uh, faculty being able to find it. Uh, I guess for me, the only real question is how important or how useful really is the information still? Um, I guess for me, I'd still like a little bit more. So, I mean, don't get me wrong, I really appreciate them making it more accessible, but I guess I would appreciate having uh, access to some little bit more information. Um, maybe and this sounds bad. It's not Dropout Detective, um, but I, I wish they had a little more information, um, similar, more comparable to like what Dropout Detective has.
2: Yeah, it was one of the things I was looking through it. It doesn't seem like there's really any necessary improvement to that particular report. It, it seems like, like you said, Kona, it's just getting moved from you know hiding in the global nav under grades, and then you can get to that report um, so that it's easier to get to and i think that's probably another just another tool that's associated with the the new ui since they're going to be uh dropping grades from the global navigation so then it's going to be tr- even trickier to get to this particular report but with this change it's uh, it's right there front and center so
1: yeah I mean, because I think it's it's interesting, I mean, like, they have, like, the latest interaction is one of the columns, but the thing is, the latest interaction could be the instructor emailing the student or the student emailing the instructor. Well, you know what, I, I double-checked mine as an instructor, and it showed, oh, yeah, I I've, I've contacted my students four days ago. Well, that's not an accurate reflection of the last time I actually, literally, interacted with a student, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I sent them the whole class an email four days ago, but... Does that mean they read it? Does that mean they replied back to me? So for me, it's kind of a stretch um, to say that's super useful.
0: So it's good that um, they are making it easier to find, but we may still need some improvements on the functionality of the report.
2: Yeah. Yeah,
1: Go go, ahead. Sorry, (laughs) Stan. I was just going to say,
2: maybe incorporating some of the things that are on whenever you just click on people and you can see the last activity and the total activity. maybe combining some of that, that information on there so that you could, Oh, the student has, you know, yes, I interacted with them. I sent them a uh, conversation one day ago, but this was the last time they logged into canvas. This was the last time. Um, Cause right now you'd have to go to several different reports to get that picture about the student. Um, it would be helpful to add another column just says this is the last time they logged into canvas or last time they accessed my course. Um,
1: Last time I submitted
2: an
0: assignment. Yeah, yeah, I think you're you're um, you're you're right there, Kona. That it does need to better reflect a, a true interaction um, as best it can. So it needs to it probably needs to be pulling from other data points. Um, to to show those interactions. You know, I remember when I was at InstructureCon, stopping by the um, product tent, there were some discussions of moving towards a lot more card interfaces when you hovered or touched a particular icon. So say if you were in the grade book and you touched an assignment or um, hovered your mouse cursor over an assignment, then it would show you a card interface of um, different things about that assignment, such as due date and time, some of the basic settings, um, I think we're seeing that with the courses and the dashboard, um, sort of a more of a card look to the way the courses display themselves in the new user interface. I wonder if we could also apply that um, card-style interface to um, interactions reports. So if you're in People and you just hover over a person's name, you get this nice little card that pops up and shows you some of the most basic bits of data the last time they logged in, maybe what their overall activity in the course was, um, you know, just those basic things that we're expecting to see from the interactions report right there in a nice card interface.
1: That would be great.
0: Yeah, I really I like the idea
2: of having their what was their last submission, because with the federal guidelines in regards to attendance in an online class, Um, That's really whenever they, you know, like for uh, veterans or things like that, that need the last date of attendance. um, The way that the federal government defines it is not necessarily the last time they logged into Canvas, but the way the last time they submitted an assignment. And so it would be tricky right now to figure out what was that last submission. So if there was a way to see a date stamp of the last time they submitted an assignment. Um, that would be helpful for our faculty especially if they could see it for all their students in one spot.
1: Yeah, see that's where the beauty of Dropout Detective comes in because for my faculty they can, they just use Dropout Detective um, which my faculty don't even realize. I don't think it's not a part of Canvas directly because Mm -hmm. it integrates so seamlessly into Canvas, but they literally click on the Dropout Detective link and then there's all of their students and they can see the last date they logged in, the last day they submitted, all of that information. Um, But also Sam, um, for those people who can't necessarily afford or maybe don't want Dropout Detective, we actually created an attendance report for exactly what you're talking about because our financial aid needed those records um, for people and we we just programmed it ourselves but literally it pulls it up um, by student and then for each student all their different courses and you click on it and it literally provides a report of every assignment in the course, and the due date, and when the student submitted it. So you can see exactly when. And it's programming we use and we share the programming.
0: And we should keep in mind that Canvas data is just around the corner, the new product from Canvas, um, formerly called Hosted Data. Uh, So we will probably be able to replicate uh, much of what these other third party solutions provide for us um, through reports from Canvas data.
1: The problem with that, though, that no one's really talking about is that to get it in real time is going to charge you extra money.
0: Yeah. Right.
2: And it's I don't only know once I a month downloads right now. Yeah.
1: F- I mean, once a month isn't really going to do me any good. Um, I really need it in real time. And to get real time, I would have to pay. And I mean, and I don't know if they have the pricing structure set up. But in all honesty, I lost 40% of my budget this year. Um, I don't. Think, you know, unless they offer it dirt cheap, I don't think I'm going to be able to afford it. Um, and th- that's what I, I mean. I've been asking, and you know, this is something I've wanted out of Canvas forever. And so I have to say, I'm kind of disappointed that I'm not going to be able to probably afford to get the real time data. Uh, not only that, but a lot of times it looks like from the sessions I attended, you'll have access to this real time data, but to do anything really cool with it, you're still going to have to get a third party to do your data, you know, to, to mine your data and give it, you know, in the graphs, the charts, the formats that you want it in. So, it, yeah, for me, it's really a double-edged sword. Um, I'm happy, but I don't think it's really going to do with a, what a lot of us really wanted or needed it to do.
2: Yeah, for, for me, our institution already has um, a data analysis tool that we use for Um, other things on campus for dashboards and things and so it will allow us at least we're already paying for that Um, we would just be able this would just be another set of data that we can add to those components but like you said once a month um, data is you know by the time we see that it's it may be too late to to get that student back into the course if there's a, a red flag and so yeah I don't know how much depending on how much it costs how much we would be able to to get you know if it was weekly data or you know so i i'm i'm hesitant i'm excited but i also want to see what it's going to cost um to get it you know a lot more regularly even if it's every evening kind of download
0: yep it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out um, and to see how the pricing compares with other solutions that are already out there and turnkey such as dropout detective Um, I want to plug a session from InstructureCon 2015 in this conversation about data, particularly when we were talking about the uh, usefulness of the interaction report. uh, The session was called Discussing Data with Faculty to Improve Student Learning. Um, I don't have the presenter's name right now, but it looks like he was from Utah. Oh, Seth. Gurrell from Utah Valley University was the presenter, um, and I, he made some really good points in that talk about uh, it's great to have all this data, but if it doesn't mean anything to the average person who isn't uh, a data analysis expert, then then it's all for nothing. Um, so there. There needs to be a discussion between the people who know how to understand the data and those who actually need to use the data, some sort of translation. Um, And he discussed different things that Canvas could perhaps do, such as providing plain English explanations of what some of the information meant, whether it was from um, quiz statistics or, um, interactions report. I just thought that that was relevant to our discussion that it's, you know, we can have great data, we can have easy access to that data, but if we can't interpret it, um, and, and draw conclusions from it or insights from it, then it's not doing any good.
2: Right. And if we don't, and then if we don't act on that, that insight either, I mean, it, if we get you know into course evaluations and we read through them and the students provide feedback that way, if we don't utilize that data um, to improve our courses, then it's not gonna it's, you know why are we even using it? It would be the same with this. We can be collecting data all day long and then we oh this is what is happening in our courses, and if we don't ever do anything, it's 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 a wasted analysis I guess as well. So yeah, there's multiple steps in that is we're going to make data driven decisions, then, you know, you got to follow up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, and that's kind of, I've always said all along that with dropout detective, unless you have a plan in place with how you're going to use the information you get from dropout detective, you know, you might as well not even use it because exactly what you're saying. And, And, you know, you can have all the data in the world, but unless you're making planned informed decisions with it and then following up to see how those decisions, you know, out and what the data shows from mm-hmm. after you make it. I mean it's, it's a very circular process That that I, I think I think you've raised a really good point Adam I mean I just I think you're right just giving faculty oh great here's all this data doesn't really mean anything um, and at least with Dropout Detective I actually have like a sheet that I provide my faculty that kind of explains this is what you should do with it this is what these different pieces mean in real-world terms this is how you can kind of figure out what to do with it. Um, and I think that helps um, us in having had a, a pretty successful implementation and pretty successful use of it.
0: All right. Anything else about the interactions reports or data? Nope. Nope. Well, Sam, you uh, you kind of mentioned it when we were talking about the new user interface, um, but there are gonna be some change changes to grades and course navigation and global navigation. Can you tell us a little bit more about what changes to um, the grades, uh, the text, the buttons for them, um, global navigation and course navigation? What's going on with grades?
2: From what I understand, in the global navigation, they're going to take grades off of that um, to try to eliminate some of the confusion between grades on global nav and then grades within the course, and so either to further uh, reduce that confusion, um, for faculty it'll say gradebook. You know, the folks in the teacher role or non-student roles would see gradebook, and then for students they would see my grades. Um, some of the comments that were made in the in the beta release notes, felt some of the folks felt like, you know, let's try to keep it maybe the same name because. Um, Now there's some confusion about when you're dragging, if you've already disabled grades, you know, and now it's, you know, it'll say my grades and not gradebook anymore. And just, um, it'll be interesting to see what what we end up with um, in production with that. Uh, But it's, I can see what, what, you know, why they're moving that way. And, but I do also like the fact that when a student clicks on grades in the global navigation, they are able to see all the grades for all their courses. And once that gets removed, then they'll have to go into each course to see how they're progressing. So unless they can maybe add um, from your you know, your student profile a way to see all your grades or something like that so that you could see your grade report for all courses in one spot, um, that might be a, a solution to to keep it at a global nav so that there isn't a confusion. But I think if they do change the name, then you know grades could almost be put back in there because it's a different name
0: so um, uh, th- that was an interesting point you brought up I hadn't thought about that so are you saying that um, a faculty be, could be going through their course navigation perhaps you know this is their first time adjusting course navigation or they're new to canvas and they may see that gradebook link and say oh I better take that off of course navigation I don't want students seeing my gradebook." and in effect be removing the student's ability to check their grades in that course potentially yeah
1: Except I think then that's one of the confusions, though, is I'm pretty sure I was trying to check this in beta, but beta was down all morning when I was trying to check it, is that I think on the instructor side, it says my grades when they're going to decide what navigational links they want visible, even though it says grade book in the navigation. Right. And so my thought is that it's going to get confusing. They're going to say my grades, and are they going to know that my grades means student grades? Um,
0: and, and you know, you guys probably both know that we still have plenty of faculty who aren't um, who aren't sure when they first get started that students won't just be able to go in and see everybody's grades.
1: Mm-hmm. Exactly. I, I I am amazed, but you're right. I still get those that question at least once or twice a semester. Uh, something else for me too is that uh, as an instructor myself, and as someone who works a lot with instructors. Um, I can see a lot of instructors in the classroom or even via email saying, well, yeah, just go check your grades. And it's not called grades, it's called my grades. Or, you know, them saying, well, it's in your grade, but it's in the grade book. And I mean, and I know it's kind of, it sounds silly, but when you're referring to two different sets of terminology for the same thing, it leads to confusion. And I'm just worried that, you know, the instructor saying, well, it's in my grade book, but what's it, you know, how are they going to explain to a student
0: well, if I'm a new faculty for. trying to do a little self-documentation, you know, trying to be diligent and doing some clear step-by-step documentation for my students on how to do something, and I'm unaware that it's a different label for them, then I'd be saying, you know, click on this thing that says gradebook. And the students are saying, I don't see anything that says book.
1: Yeah. Right. I mean, the hope is that in student view, it will say my grades, but mm-hmm. some faculty don't look at student view when they're doing that. So I guess
0: right.
1: I have some concerns with that.
0: And I can't think of a good solution. I mean, I understand why they're making the change, but I can't think of a good, clear solution um, that would just make this problem free.
1: Course grades. I don't know.
0: Huh? That's what someone posted in the in the yeah. comments too, was course grades. Just call it course
2: grades. And then it would be the same for everybody. Um, and it, it I, I'm in beta right now. It seems to be working pretty good. And when you go into navigation to edit that, um, it does say my grades the, as the tool to to disable, but on the left hand on the course navigation it does say gradebook as cool. a as a teacher role. As a faculty then,
0: member, I would still be concerned if it said my grades. That would still be a phrase that concerned me. Um, if I was unaware of of how it worked from the student side of things, I would I may think that I need to remove uh, my grades.
2: Yeah, and then when you do go into student view, it does switch over from gradebook to my grades.
0: Um, And, you know, as a student, I did not use the um, grades view from Global Navigation very often. It was not particularly useful to be able to see my total average in all my courses um, that often. So it was nice occasionally that it was just one click away. Um, It was less clicks than going all the way into the course in the grade book to see what my average in the class was. So that was nice. So it may be nice to still present that... Um, average across all my courses information to a student um, in some quickly accessible way. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how they would do that. Maybe, uh, maybe they could do it in the account. So the um, global navigation icon for your user account, maybe that yeah. information could fit what right in, in there. What about
1: under uh, courses, my courses? What if they had, you know, here's my courses, and maybe at the very top, grades
0: oh you know in that colored box for the course cards now there's plenty of information or plenty of room there to put in an average that'd be a great place yes
2: yeah the other place too could be maybe even in the help corner um move the grades out of global nav the main global navigation up into the into the help corner so you'd see your your name inbox grades settings log out help um would be another place to put it um but yeah even if it was in the on the cards with the new UI, they would see, you know, maybe all that information about each course, they could see that, so.
1: Actually, wouldn't it be cool if, yeah, if directly, what if right on the cord it had the course name and then like right underneath the cord, like your current course grade or something?
0: I'm really excited about these cards. There's all sorts of cool things that could uh, go in those course cards. So you could see like your most recent graded item or, or your most recent um, like w- one or two lines of recent activity on that card, your overall grade in the class right now, um, lots of different uh, things. So there's lots of potential there for
1: those cards. Well, and for me, the big thing is, and, and something I've always thought about, is that for students, if if you did more with those first cards when they come in, it's h- kind of hard to hide from it, you know. So if you gave them their grade right up front, you you don't even have to click on grades; it's just in your face. Or missing assignments, or assignments due, or I mean, there's you're right, there's so many things. And I think the more upfront in the in their face that it is for students, the better it will be, and the more students will then be like, oh, I have an assignment. Oh, I better, you know. But think about being able to see that. For each class, and you've got four classes, and right there on each card you can see, you know, you've got three upcoming assignments, or you have a missing assignment, or I don't know. It just seems like it, it could be really amazing.
0: And one day these cards could pulse or flash if one re- required attention, so you log in, and one of your course um, cards is flashing or pulsing to get your attention that you um, have a grade due in less than 24 hours or you have a late assignment or something like that to really grab your attention. Lots there of potential there. Very
1: cool.
0: Alright, so we also have now the ability to excuse an assignment in the individual view of the grade book. Kona, can you tell me a little bit more about that?
1: Um, I will be honest I knew that, uh, I think it was the last release, we were we got the ability to excuse an assignment, but in honesty, higher ed, we don't really excuse assignments, and if they do, you just don't put a grade in, and it did the same thing, so this one really never caught my interest until I saw this, and I thought, oh, well, this is interesting, you know, I'll, I'll double check it, and... Uh, I didn't realize the only way to excuse an assignment, I guess, before this was just to literally type in EX for mm-hmm. excuse. Yep. I mean, is, is that correct? I was like, That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it seemed kind of cheesy and not real intuitive. Like, it would seem like something so much um, in Canvas is extremely intuitive, and there was like no pull down, there was no checkbox, no anything to say excuse a grade. And I'm like, I would have to completely train my faculty, and even then, I mean, Having to have them manually type something in I don't, is just kind of like a recipe for disaster as far as I'm concerned. And so I thought this was pretty cool that at least now in the individual view, there is a going to be an actual checkbox where you can check, excuse this assignment or these assignments for a particular student. And so I, I thought that was pretty cool and probably a step in the right direction of right. really better integrating excuse assignments.
0: I do remember them saying that they were going to add on the um, ability to... Mark excused assignments at different levels, uh, so for different reasons. And so mm-hmm. I think that um, nice um, graphical user interface way of marking an assignment excuse that we would expect from Canvas is coming in the very near future. Um, and they just needed to ship out you know something with minimal viability. So it's like this gets the job done. It's not as um, it's not as pretty as we would like. It's weird that you would just go in and type in a magical two-character code and make something work. But I feel like they really wanted to get it out at that time and um, knew that they would be making some sort of user interface changes to that over the near future. So I would be surprised if it stays as you just type in EX for very long.
2: Yeah, it's almost like some of the – with the keyboard shortcuts in SpeedGrader, if you know to click the the, uh, comma key – when you're on there, then that pops up and tells you what keyboard shortcuts. Um, but it's kind of like, you know, oh, there's I've a pro
0: tip it. for everybody. Yeah. i key when you're in speed grader,
2: you can see all the sh- uh, keyboard shortcuts. And it was it, and the only reason I found out about it was I had an instructor who said, is there any way that I can get some keyboard shortcuts to jump from student to student and to get into the grades and, you know, and so, you know, search the guides and lo and behold, there are keyboard shortcuts in there. So,
0: And is there a document in the community about that? I believe so. All right. I'll send you a link.
1: Yeah, that would be worth seeing.
0: Yeah, I'm going to have to advocate for that a little bit more. All right, the old breadcrumb menu, the thing that most people never pay any attention to um, until they get lost in the gradebook and can't figure out how to get back to their course. (laughs) 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 Uh, I'm happy to see that the breadcrumb menu is getting some more love. I think it's actually a really useful um way to to maintain your place in the course, to maintain some context. Um if you click on some links and sort of go from here to there to another place um to, to be able to look up at that breadcrumb menu and see where you're at and be able to quickly back up one level or a couple levels. I mean it's always been there. It hasn't always been so accurate. Um and Kona I'm gonna ask you to tell us a little bit more about that shortly. Um, And it also had been kind of small and hidden. And so they're increasing the font size. They are uh, moving it on top of course navigation. Um, It's going to look better in the new user interface. But even in the current interface, um, it looks nicer um, with the increased font size. Um, But in the new user interface, I really like the way it replaces what used to just be like the course code that would be up at the very top left above course navigation. I like the way now that the um, the root level of that breadcrumb menu, the furthest back level, um, just takes the place of that of that course code box that used to sit up there.
1: Yeah, well, and I think it still needs some love. I have to admit, I, I do like what they're doing with it a lot more in um, beta, but at the same time, it it's still... I will say that I I cursed it more than once when I was building my summer class this summer because it just, you know, if I'm in a a module and I've worked my way into something and I just want to go back to the module, I can't just go back to the module if I was on a page. I can go back to pages or I can click back on my home and then scroll back down. Um, Right now, I have to admit, all I could think of as I was building my class was how much time I'm wasting clicking back around just to get back to where I started um, because the breadcrumbs weren't accurate. So this doesn't fix that problem. Uh, I think it's a step in the right direction. And I also saw a couple hints uh, in the uh, discussion by some Instructure people. that, uh, And not only that, but I think in the feature idea um, section that this has kind of gotten some, uh, some looks and uh, I, I think they are heading in the right direction of getting some more accurate breadcrumbs Uh, so i have to admit i am overjoyed by the even idea that at some point we might have accurate breadcrumbs but yeah i I agree that this is a step in the right direction it's bigger um, it's more prominent and as soon as it's more accurate uh, i will be singing it from the hilltop
2: Uh, for a while there even when the breadcrumbs like if you were to disable a section like discussions off your course navigation but then so a student got to those discussions through the module then they could back up into the discussions area and we've gotten some folks lost and and that thing and then if that that went away so that if it was disabled it just took you back Mm -hmm. um, to the modules page but it yeah the breadcrumbs have needed some love for a long time
1: yep
0: all right, this next one's kind of meaty, and being um, a former student, now um, Canvas admin, but never having taught a course, I'll have to say that, that outcomes and rubrics are two things that are not my strong suits. And when I read this one, um, I saw big words that I didn't understand, <laughs> and I said, okay, I'm going to have to make Kona or Sam explain this one to me. So explain the decaying averages um, or the decaying average as it um, pertains to outcomes.
1: Um, I I guess the short story would just be, they really haven't changed anything with decaying averages other than they just clarified that you do have to have um, at least two numbers to do a decaying average. So that's the short story.
0: So then what does a decaying average do for those of us who've um, never used an outcome, particularly decaying averages in an outcome?
1: Um, Decaying average is actually a type of mastery level calculation. Um, It's used a lot for standard-based grading. And it's called the King average because it actually puts more weight on the more recent score. Um, so it, it kind of, it, it thinks about instead of just doing a straight average, it, it takes into account the fact that students might improve what they're doing the more they do. I mean, that which kind of makes sense, right? I mean, the first time they do it, they might be brand new at trying to do some kind of outcome. But hopefully by the second, third, fourth, however many times they do it, they should improve. And when you're looking at the score for that outcome, you don't want to take an average, you want to put more weight on how are they doing more recently. Um, but that's not to say you don't want any you know weight put on or you don't want anything taken into consideration for those beginning scores because those still, you know it's important to know where they came from, but it just kind of skews it a little bit more towards um, the more recent grade.
0: So to me, uh, thinking at it from a student's point of view, That would sound like a bit of a double-edged sword. So I should be getting better on my um, future attempts, uh, which will be counted um, more heavily um, in the overall average. But on the flip side of that, because they're going to be counted more heavily in the overall average, if I don't improve, don't do well on those second, third um, attempts, then it's going to penalize me uh, more strongly. Is
1: that correct? Uh, yeah, technically, that is absolutely correct. Um, and it's just kind of, it's, it's more of a way to think about how to calculate outcomes. Uh, it's not, you know, every single person has to do it this way. It's just more of um, this is one way that you can do it. This is one way to think about it. And, you know, it comes down to what your individual school, you know, yeah. wants to do or how you think about it.
2: I think the key thing in here is that you're focusing more on the mastery of a a competency or an outcome rather than necessarily how well you did on the overall assignment. And so an assignment may say, write a paper that's five pages long, but within that paper, there'll be several outcomes that you want the student to, to master. And so those may be five outcomes in your course. And so you may do really well in the, the grammar usage and mechanics of, of your paper, but still need work on your thesis statement and things like that. And so your mastery of, you know, gum, grammar usage and mechanics has gone up with this paper. And based on what you've done previously, now you have a higher mastery in that outcome. Whereas in your thesis statements, strength and stuff, that's still needs work. And so it wouldn't necessarily mean you're looking at a, a grade over on the overall assignment, focusing more on the individual competencies that got you to that grade.
1: That was a really great explanation. Sorry, Sam. That was just that was really good. Like yeah. I'm going like I I'm going to have to like listen back and write that down that was <laughs> a really great explanation.
0: So Yeah, that really um that does clarify things for me and I I love that Canvas is supporting these um varying grading styles. Uh, I, I would imagine this would be very difficult, if not impossible, to, to work around within the Canvas system. You'd probably just have to export your data and, and find some other way of calculating this. So I love that there is support for um, different styles of grading um, and measuring, um, measuring students' mastery of a, of a concept.
2: Yeah, and then and, um, I think it was Brian um, P- Brian Gates' presentation during InstructureCon um, talking about where they're focusing for future product development um, and f- doing more focus on outcomes. Um, the decaying average calculation was a very recent um, addition um, to Canvas before you. It was just an average. That's all you had a choice for, for calculating it. And if you ever marked a, a student mastered a, a concept, then it would... Um, they would be mastered forever, even though they may, you know, we wanted it to show the like a decaying average or something like that, not just that they've mastered it or not. Um, we wanted to build up to mastery. Um, and so that very recent development there, and they're going to be putting more focus on that because there is a, a bigger push in competency-based, um, education and we need, you know, be able to turn that grade book on if this is a competency-based course so I, I see that with uh, with the trend that I'm seeing um, just in higher ed, um, that that is being more of a focus, and that's good that, that Canvas is on top of it.
0: Do you think this also helps them expand into other countries and other markets such as K-12?
1: Definitely K-12. Wow. I know this is huge, huge for K-12. Um, overseas, I'm not sure as much for the outcomes. Um, it seems like they've got some of their own with, like, Blind, double blind marking, grading. Um, they seem more peer review and more um, that type of focused, but I would say K through 12, absolutely.
2: And for us, you know, I don't know if you guys, there's um, Southern New Hampshire, Hampshire um, College or College for America, where it's a competency based model. And so that would be another market where, you know, you can complete your associate's degree as quickly as you master those competencies that are required for that and so it would just allow for other schools that are already in that model to be easier to adopt um, canvas than if they you know because it does have that ability so but it definitely needs to be strengthened um, if an entire program was to take over and want to utilize that tool
0: well, if anyone out there is doing anything with non-traditional grading schemes and wants to come on the podcast and talk about it, I'd love to hear um, how that's working for you, how it's working particularly with Canvas, um, what, what benefits um, you see from it, and how it supports what you need to do at your institution. Um, so you can just find me on the community and get in touch with me, and I'd love to have you on the podcast. Uh, hey, Kona, um, you have your stats degree handy? <laughs>
1: I'm guessing you want to talk about uh the change for the quiz item analysis. I would. Um, uh, this is another the short story is just basically in the back end of Canvas, they just kind of uh tweaked the way they were calculating their alpha. Um there were some problems and I have to admit I had noticed that there were some issues um that it just the results didn't seem to be consistent or reliable um even given within what they, how they said they should be calculating. And so they just kind of, in the back end programming, updated how that calculation was taking place uh, just to make it more reliable and consistent. So that, that's the short story.
0: All right. Well, I won't make you take us through the long story. I think that will
1: suffice. <laughs> oh, well, oh, come on. Come on. No, the, the, the longer story well, the short long story. I guess I did
0: make and- you get at your degree. You may as well go through the long story.
1: Yeah, it is basically what they're looking at and what the alpha refers to is just the measure of uh, internal consistency. So how how internally related are the quiz questions? So in general, and this isn't always, but you know, most instructors when they're giving a quiz or an exam, they're trying to test whether or not a student's learned certain competencies that are normally related. And if you have a higher alpha, um, for your questions, and that just means that your questions all do seem to be related to answering the same type of thing. So, this is used a lot more in like personality tests and like social and psychology tests. Um, in fact, that's why I'm pretty familiar with it because that's my statistics is all from that area. And so, it's actually used quite a bit, um, like when you, you know, they take those personality tests, and you would want a high degree a high alpha there because you would like a lot of consistency. So for this is just kind of saying, uh, as an instructor, if you're trying to make sure that students are, you know, learning a certain competency, well you want to make sure your questions are all consistent. Um, And if you aren't getting a high level of consistency, that's not necessarily a bad thing, um, but it might be something that you would want to go and look at your individual questions and see if something's kind of sticking out. Is there a couple sore thumbs that are sticking out that maybe aren't appropriate for your quiz or
0: your exam. And you know, this sounds relevant to what we were talking about earlier with student interactions report to um, finding some way to make that translation of uh, mathematical calculations on the back end to um, plain English translations to the end user um, who needs to be able to interpret and act on that data. Um, this is the back side of that, the behind-the-curtain stuff that has to go on so that those plain English translations actually correlate with what's going on mathematically, correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: basically. Yeah, I think with the new graphical vision of the quiz item analysis, that's one step towards that, um, is being able to graphically see see those numbers in action, you know, and I think as they as we provide more information around what it means and what you should be looking for on a particular quiz, um, and individual questions and things like that with that uh, statistics page, um, it's, it is definitely in the right direction. And I know that there are folks who are a lot smarter than I am in, in regards to item analysis. Um, like that, you know, these small tweaks are being put into place to make that tool even stronger and very, you know, usable for them.
0: Well, thank you for explaining that to me. I am uh, glad to know that the the data is getting better because that's a hot trend right now, and I don't think it's uh, it's going to be a passing fad. I think this is going to be something that grows over time. So knowing that um, there are going to be continuous improvements and making the data as accurate as possible um, it is good to know because there will be some um, significant actions being taken on data from LMS's um, I'm sure there there are that is happening now at some institutions, and I see it um growing for more institutions in the future, so we gotta make sure those numbers mean what we think they mean Yes all right uh last thing on the list um it's a little guy, but I am happy to see it um now all of the native icons in the rich content editor have um a consistent icon style, so um it's it's a cleaner look um and it's also easier now to distinguish um, icons in the rich content editor that were added um, through LTIs or apps or other means. Um, so it's it's a little bit easier to say, okay, these are the things that are, are canvas icons. Oh, this is something extra.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think it looks cleaner. Um, it's going to be easier to use. And, They're all um, the
0: same size. Yeah. God,
1: yes. Thank you. <laughs>
0: Well, that's about it. from the release notes. Um, do you guys have anything else canvas related um, that anything from the community that's um, happened recently that um, we wanted to alert people to?
1: I don't know. there seems like there's there's so much going on. It's just yeah. kind of depends on what you're interested in. I would have to say probably my current thing that I'm pretty excited about um was the announcement of a tentative plan to have um the unconference take place in 2016 uh uh canvas conference so there'll be an uncon tentatively and i have to say that was that was probably the highlight of my day yesterday
0: yeah that is great so that's uh there's been a new group created in- In the community for that. Um, We've got focus groups going on for different things like extra credit, printing quizzes, the new user interface. Um, You can go and search out those focus groups, see if they're still accepting members. Um, Quite a few ideas have moved into the gathering info stage, Um, so you can go find those and see if you have any feedback you can contribute to those. Um, There's been another best of groups blog in the community posted recently, Um, So You can go check out that. Um, I heard that the Canvas Live program is looking for presenters as well. So if you have something um, that you do in Canvas that you think would be great to share with the broader um, Canvas community um, and would like to do it through a Canvas Live webinar, um, you should get in touch with somebody on the community team. Um, Is it b Rai who's responsible for Canvas Live? Yes, it is. It is. All right. Well, I think that's it for for this episode of the podcast. Kona, is there anything going on in your world that you'd like to uh, point people to? Plug anything?
1: No, actually. I'm, I'm just happy last this summer's over. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That sounds really bad. Um, I was teaching my first online course uh, in Canvas over the summer, and teaching and working full-time uh, as director of online learning and then also uh, obviously being in the community I'm just I'm kind of worn out and so it was just really nice to get my final grade submitted last Friday.
0: Well let us know how it goes with that online course um, and the humanizing and engagement and uh, feedback from students you know some of that stuff we were talking about at the UN conference this year mm-hmm. um, definitely keep us posted on how that's going and, and what um, insights you're, you're gaining from that.
1: Yeah, well, and I'm definitely, the hybrid one that I'm planning for fall is going to be pretty, like, I'm, I'm hoping it's going to be pretty awesome. Like, I'm really going to use a lot of the things we talked about at the unconference um, and try to really integrate it in to the hybrid course for the fall. So I'm I'm excited for that one, and I'm starting to get geared up, but I'm, I'm trying to take a little bit of a break, little breather.
0: And Sam, do you have anything going on um, that you want to tell people about or anything you want to plug? Uh, last time we had talked to you, you mentioned the um, New Mexico Canvas um, regional conference.
2: Yep, that's still on its way. Uh, September 12th, um, that we're trying to get the last bit of things uh, figured out before we can you know, officially post the registration page. But that should be coming, I'm hoping this week so that folks can sign up. And so if you are um, within driving distance of Farmington um, or in the state of New Mexico, Colorado, Utah, uh, Arizona, we are, you know, happy to have you. Um, and uh, yeah, it'll be, it'll be a good time.
0: Do you know anything that, uh, do you have any information you can tell us about price or will it be a one day event, anything like that? It's
2: completely free. Um, so just be, just get there. Um, and so, the, but um it'll be a one day event on Saturday, but then, It's also in association with our technology leadership conference that San Juan College puts on um, for the last decade or so that we've been doing that. And that's on the Friday before. Um, And I'm planning some unconference like things for Canvas related topics on that Friday. And then all day Saturday, we'll have about four breakout sessions um, and then lunch and some uh, some things, fun things to do during lunch. And uh, yeah, it should be a good time. So the, the cost is, is free, um, but uh, it, it will, and for both days. Um, and so more information will be at sanjuancollege.edu slash canvasconnm. Um, but right now that, blank, that page is blank. I'm trying to get things finalized before, before too long.
0: Well, wow, I'm glad to hear that's rolling along. Um, I'm going to really try and make it out there, um, drive over there from Flagstaff and, and get out there and uh, cool. meet everybody.
2: So. Yeah, that would be fun.
0: All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode of the Canvas Podcast. Thanks, everybody, for listening, and we'll see you next time.